Welcome to another episode of Records Revisit, a podcast dedicated to the magic of music. I'm your DJ, your MC, the host on the East Coast. I'm Ben Montgomery. Joining me is the man who I think I've mistaken for somebody else, somebody who gave a damn, somebody more like myself. Here's my co-host from the left coast and the master of these foolish games. Here's Wayne Fugate. Hola, Ben. Hami. So for this episode, we have a couple special guests, both from Central Florida. First one, Lakeland to be exact. She's got a new record coming out October 1, I believe it is. I don't have the name of the album. We'll talk about that. Please welcome to the podcast, Van Plating. Thanks for having me. How are you? I am awesome. I just found out I'm playing Americana Fest like 15 minutes ago. Nice. I texted Hannah and I was like, I'm crying right now. (laughs) Congratulations. Congratulations. I'm, I'm stoked. So fellow podcaster here in Central Florida, Jason Earl, is uh, heading out there as well on yeah. some press credentials. So I'm super, super excited for Jason as well. Yes. Very cool. All right. The other guest, also from Central Florida, you might remember her from our episode that we did on Patty Griffin's Silver Bell. That was early mm-hmm. in our podcast way back in March 2019. Seems like forever and a day ago. Please welcome back to the podcast, Hannah Harbour. Hello. Thanks for having me back. Absolutely. So you were you were a last minute pinch hitter. That's right. So, um, or we were going to have Michael MacArthur back on, also a fellow revisitor, um, mm-hmm. and uh, he uh, he called an audible on us. So thanks for thanks for stepping in at the last minute. You are very welcome. All right. Um, premise of our podcast, fairly simple. We we talk about music, but as we do at the beginning of each episode, I ask the all-important question. So, Wayne, what T-shirt are you wearing? I'm wearing a shirt I got from House of Harley-Davidson in Anchorage, Alaska. Very good. Just for Jewel. All right. Nice. Van, how about you? What T-shirt are you wearing? I'm wearing a shirt I got from a dead guy. <laughs> Alaska, which makes oh sense because Jewel. Okay. Uh, and it's that's a long story, but anyway, <laughs> we got all the time in the world. So what's we got? That's, what's, that's exactly what podcasts are for. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, so the, the short version of the story is when my oldest kid was a baby. We've been saving up money for a while. We love hiking and like being out in the woods, and we love the mountains in like North Georgia, Southern Tennessee. Yes. We were planning on maybe like getting a couple acres up there and just throwing a trailer on it, like a hiking home base. And um, I was looking around on the internet for lots of land, and I found this cabin. And it was a weird cabin. It looked like it belonged in Scandinavia or somewhere. So I got my husband to come over and look at the laptop, and I was like, what is this? And he's like, I don't know. That doesn't look like Georgia. And it was really cheap. It was like cheaper than just buying land. And it didn't make sense. So I called the realtor and asked her if I could come look at it. It was an artist, a guy named Ken Fritch, who had built this place with his bare hands. It's like all pine boards and it's like loft style out in the middle of nowhere. And he had gotten really, really old and he had Parkinson's and he couldn't paint anymore. He used to go up there to paint. So the place was fully furnished and had a bunch of his paintings in it and clothes. This was this is his nice. shirt that I'm wearing. 
and his carvings and stuff. And he'd actually turned down several offers on the place because he'd found out that these people were going to just knock it down and build like another Georgia style, like Disney log cabin. And we just fell in love with it because it was so weird and different. And you could just tell that his, the guy had a shroom garden out okay. front that we, we, we had to get rid of that because we have little kids. <laughs> but, you know, it, it was just really, really special. And so that's where this shirt is from. This is Ken's shirt. So I wear it to rep Ken. He passed away a couple of years ago, but we sort of kept in love touch it. With them love after it. That. All right, Hannah, how about you? What t shirt are you wearing? I'm wearing. You can't really tell, but it's um, an Ava Brothers t-shirt that I've had for a very, very long time. Probably 17 years. I feel like you wore that for the first episode you were on. Maybe not? I might have. It's very very comfy. It's like that you've worn it so many times that it's just second skin on your body. Love it. A few of those. All right. um, So I am wearing my Hannah Harbor and the Lionhearts (laughs) t-shirt. Yeah. It's a good man. Being that guy, I'm being that guy who wore the T-shirt of the band that I'm having a podcast interview with. So there That's we go. Awesome. Love All it. Right. Um, so Van, let's let's start with you. Um, okay. You've got a new record cool. coming out. I do. I don't know what the name of it is. I could tell you if you want to know. Um. So the name of the record is "The Way Down." Okay. I'm doing that thing where I have a title track for my record, and you know I don't care. I don't care what anyone says about it. You, you know what? If you're going to if you're going to do a an album title based off of one of the songs, make it one of the kick-ass songs on the record. And the way down right. is awesome. Thank you very much. Um, Wayne and I do a most listened to songs list each year, and unless something crazy happens in the next, um, you know, six months, uh, that song's going to make my list. Oh my gosh, that makes my heart so happy. I, so I, I love that song. I've been cranking it a lot lately. Ah, I love yep. it. I love my got another single that came out recently as well uh falling angel um yes i noticed something on the singles that you have on spotify it says copyright fallen angels record so so what's the correlation there so that's my record label okay that i decided to start and it's just me on it (laughs) right now okay okay um but I don't know, on a whim last year, I decided to go ahead and shift my business model sort of into that and release from that. Um, I really have a heart for especially female singer-songwriters. 
you know, it's a hard scene. It's a hard scene for a lot of different people, uh, yeah. you know, and it's changed a lot since, since I was younger, but I would love to be able to come alongside some other, you know, artists and sort of bring them into that umbrella and, um, you know, help with the things I've learned in the last stretch of my life, help them learn how to release music and support that way. So, yeah. So, so you're in Lakeland, so you're not too far from, mm-hmm. from me. I'm, I'm a winter garden or okay, you know, yeah. just, out, just outside of Orlando. That's how yeah. I'm repping Hannah. Cause I've seen her a few different times and, uh, you know, Thomas and the whole gang, we mm-hmm. were talking about Jordan Foley, um, earlier that, yeah. um, the, the, the joke there is, uh, Hannah, Hannah referred me over to Jordan. I kind of became friendly with with Jordan over the course of the last couple of years, and um, we still haven't had Jordan on. So, Jordan, if <laughs> really? you're listening to this, it, ball's still in your court, man. Um, so, so with being in Lakeland, what's what's the scene there? What's the what's the vibe there? Um, it's very diverse. Uh, believe it or not, um, you know, it's a, it's a bigger city than most people realize it is yeah. kind of a medium sized city and you've got everything from singer songwriters that are in more in that Americana tradition, like Michael and I, um, to more, there's hip hop artists here. Um, I was going to say there's some hip hop going on in, in Lakeland, Tampa. There area. is, there is, yeah. and it's pretty cool. Um, there's a singer songwriters like Jenny D who released, um, a record a little while ago that I really liked. Uh, Hannah Dobson, who's releasing under the moniker Beholder Music. I don't know if you've heard of her. She's great. I don't, I don't know. Uh, she's sort of like Phoebe Bridgers, Sharon Van Etten ish. Really cool. You, you sold me. I'm writing her down. She's so vibely. She's just wonderful. Okay. Um, you know, and then just t- there's just there's a lot. There's a lot. I could just go on and on and on. Um, I actually just met in person. Do you guys know Patty Cannoli? I don't. She she releases music under another artist name. I think it's called Hannah. Am I getting this right? It's No One Partly. Have you heard of her? So she's like Tampa slash Lakeland kind of artist. And I just met her in person last night. She's going to join me for the release party here in Lakeland uh, in the band. And she kind of blew my mind. She plays banjo and guitars and ukulele and sings like an angel. There's just a lot. So in describing the scene, I mean, it's just there's a lot of different people all doing different things all at the same time, all of the time. Okay. So, so considering Lakeland's not too far from here, so how come how come I don't see you in Central Florida more often, over here in well, Orlando area? Actually, the last time I played Orlando was the only time I've gotten to hang out with Hannah in person, like ever. Okay. That was um, March third of twenty twenty, I think. Not that right. I remember that date specifically. <laughs> um. But I actually, I had planned, I played Folkia in November okay. of 2019. That was when my first solo album came out. And then, you know, like all of us, I had a bunch of plans for last year and none of them happened. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I hope to be back. I've heard that Wills is doing shows again. Um, Thomas has something exciting happening up there in Stanford. 
Yeah. You know? I, uh, I just went to, um, I saw Great Peacock and the Cordovas there at Tuffy's. Um, great little venue. That was my first time being there. Um, definitely want to go back. Unfortunately, like every major recording artist that I love, mm-hmm. they're avoiding Florida right now. Yeah, like, and they all nobody, are. And I mean, nobody's coming down here. Yeah, and I don't blame them in some ways. <laughs> Sadly. <laughs> what? Are, are we talking about the dumpster fire of politics down here? Is that what we're talking about? <laughs> mm. Okay. Mm. Yeah, all right. We'll, we'll leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. Um, yeah. What else? So, what else can we expect from uh, the way down uh, from from the album? Honestly, guys, if you liked that song, you are going to jam this record. It awesome. is I, like I, you know, I've been doing this long enough to not be all like pretentious about being self-deprecating. It's a kick-ass album. It's stacked, and I'm really, really proud of it. Good. Um, can't wait i can't wait to get the masters back i'll get masters back this week and then i'll be able to start like getting things together um to start marketing it and sharing it with people like you guys so y'all can get a preview but we'll release two more singles before the album uh comes out october 1st um and it's just a very you know my first record was very eclectic because i was like throwing paint at the wall i was trying things you know and then americana sort of found me uh, and in this record, I've really leaned into some of those really classic influences. It's got some Springsteen in there. Uh, it's got some Ryan Adams sounds in there. Um, but it's still very, and I co-produced it. So there's a lot of strings. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm really excited about the songwriting too. It's very tight. I tried to keep the songs at three minutes or just under as a test for myself to like, keep it really. Yeah. Like concise, you know. So. So there's not going to be any songs like painters. On no. This, on this <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, I'm, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm skipping them. I'm skipping ahead. I'll shut up. I'll shut up until we get to that point. All right. How about you, <laughs> Hannah? What, is, what have you been up to? Uh, I was hibernating, I guess, for a while. Uh, we were. We were happily home, uh, and some days unhappily home. Um, but I, I think similarly, um, to what's already kind of been discussed, it sort of opened up this like creative abyss that you could either let yourself fall into or just continually run from until it eventually like pulled you over. And so I've been writing more than I really ever have in my life, but I don't have as much desire to play right now. And I really had to wrestle with 
what that means. Um, and I think part of it is also just like the grief process of losing what 2020 was going to mean for me. Um, I, you know, I was fresh off of having a baby. And so, well, I was fresh off of putting out a record, then five minutes later finding out I was pregnant and then having the baby and finally thinking it was time to roll with it. And, you know, getting some things on the calendar and behind the scenes on the books that I just was thrilled about. Um, so I think what I'm coming around to lately is the realization that, like, you can say all day long that you'd be a creator, a writer, a music player without anything else other than just doing it. But until that point gets proven to you <laughs> that you would continue to do it without applause or a stage right. or, you know, yeah. um, so that really got proven to me this year. I've learned a lot of really hard, beautiful lessons. Um, but I also was given the chance because Thomas was also forced to slow down. Um, you know, we've been married eight years, nine years, eight years, I think. And we've never really spent much time actually playing music together other than like the, oh, hey, you're home at the same time when I have a gig next weekend. Do you want to, you know, sit in? Or, hey, I, I wrote all these songs. You want to produce a record for me? and Or, you know, however that was going to work out. Um, that now we've really, like, been spending time just sitting and digging through some creative methods together, um, which has just been such a gift. So um, we've set up a home studio, and we're digging and planting and growing. But I, I don't know how long it's really going to be before we start putting any of that out. Yeah, didn't I read a Instagram that you went you went back to work as well? Went back to work. So. Yep, back in the workforce, yeah. and uh, you know, honestly, having been for the most part, like other than odd jobs here and there that I've carried over the last ten years, being the you know all things for all people, mostly myself, anything music related, and stepping under anyone else's leadership and schedule and timeline and dreams. And, you know, um, it's kind of freeing to just, I go to work, I work hard. There's security in the fact that this job isn't going anywhere. And, you know, there's a provision for my family in that. Yeah. Um, and so I'm going to, you know, I'm gonna be thankful for that. Yeah, I get it. I, I think that, that anyone who has a family who also has a creative brain, mm -hmm. it's a constant juggling act. Like I've, yes. yeah. you know, I've, I, I definitely put a lot of things on hold once I started having kids. My oldest is on the autism spectrum. So I put a lot of stuff on hold because of those, those challenges and needs. And, you know, it's only been in the last five, six years that I've really kind of cranked that, creative process back up and i'm like look i'm i'm okay if you know if i'm a dude in my late 50s before my first novel gets published yeah whatever i love that yeah you know it, yeah it is what it is like i had to take care of the family first that that was more important than than my own selfish desires of being of having that creative whatever it was so it's also part of your story. Yeah. It's part of your story. It's a crucial yeah. part of your story. Regardless of like where that... I'm just jumping in. You can always tell me shut up. But, <laughs> but because because I'm a mom and because I have four kids, you know, Hannah and I have this in common, that like tension 
all the time. And I've really had to learn that, like, I don't need to feel like somehow all those years are somehow like invalidated creatively. You know what I mean? Like somehow they don't count because every single day that I'm alive, it, 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 it counts. It all counts every single part of that and it gets poured into my relationships and my work you know um anyway i don't know where i was going with that but no I'm that's just saying it matters all those days matter absolutely they and do. that's that's perfect and i don't view any of it as wasted time yeah i didn't have any creative output at that point but it wasn't wasted time so i yeah. hope i hope you guys don't view that Either because the most important thing that you're doing is raising raising your kids, mm-hmm. taking care of your family, so anyway. and ourselves, and ourselves. raising ourselves, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> trying to raise myself into an adult person. Yeah, yes. totally. I haven't grown up yet either, so it's all no. good. Um, I mean, um, so so tell me about Hannah. Tell me about the the thing that you're doing with Kaylee Baker and Olivia. Oh. Oh, so when I first moved to Orlando, um, I, well, this was, I guess, maybe a couple months before I moved to Orlando. Thomas and I had a very short uh, dating life before we were like, yeah, okay, it's you. Let's do this thing. Okay. And But right when we met, um, I met Olivia at the same time because I met him at a show, at a Believer's show. And... The guy who was running front of house that night at this small festival we were all playing pulled me aside and said, um, you know, you guys need to really do well tonight. This band that you're direct support for is going to kill it. And I was like, okay, great. I mean, it wasn't like I planned on going up there and blowing it, you know. Um, So then the band that followed was Thomas and Liv. So we met. It was obviously they were phenomenal. And then. Mike, the sound guy after that said, now when you get home, look up Kaylee Baker. And I was like, okay. He's like, there's something happening in Orlando and I think you should be aware of it. Yeah. I was like, great. Um, so Kaylee and Liv as um, creative beings and powerful voices came into my life right around the same time, but mostly through like YouTube videos as I was living in New Orleans at the time. And I was just like kind of digging into their music at my buddy's recommendation. So when I moved to Orlando, Olivia became my sister and Kaylee became a friend and Kaylee called Livy and I and, and she just said, hey, I want to do this one-off show. This was in like 2012 or 2013. I want to do this one-off show. I'd like you guys to do background vocals on my original songs. And of course, we were, Olivia and I were like, okay, yeah. yeah. Uh, and that was it. That was all there was. And that was fine. It was fun. It was stressful as all heck because... Come on, if you've ever heard them, you understand. Um, but it was so good. So about six months ago, Kaylee opened up the group chat and just like, hey, let's let's try this again. Um, and so we did a couple songs that we had done years ago. But through the rehearsal, we just all sat there and just kind of spilled our guts and realized like, you know... For a long time, I think all of us were in a very tunnel visioned, like, this is what I'm pursuing right now. And that's beautiful. But what we were able to do with each other is kind of release the idea that anything has to mean anything other than I want to do this, even if it's one time. So we played Little Indies. We had a phenomenal time. We are the Zabuzes and we are continuing. I don't know what will come of it, but it is 
like the coolest thing that I've gotten to do in a very long time. All right, next show is when? October 23rd. Okay. And it's at Little Indies again? Little Indies again. So I, and I, as of right now, I don't know that you can buy any tickets, but I, I was afraid try. Of that. All right. Go ahead and go ahead and try. I was afraid <laughs> of that because like Little Indies seats like 20 people. So yeah, so we did we did a small amount of seats. I think there are 60 or 65. Okay. But you know, we're all kind of in this who knows right now yeah. with the way things are going. So Okay. But the intention is there. All right. Perfect. All right, well, let's jump into the record that we're going to talk about. Um, so, Van, tell us what record we're going to chat about today. Uh, Jules, Pieces of You from 1995. All right, so I have to ask, because your PR person is involved in coordinating all this, did you choose this or did Rachel choose this? I chose it. Okay, you so chose it. So you can it. blame me <laughs> if right. you're feeling discontented, blame me. <laughs> Because I chose it. Nope. We look. I've only turned. I have only turned down maybe what three record choices total in the hundred and all Tom Waits records. They, <laughs> no, it was not. <laughs> Though I will. I will turn down a Tom Waits record because I'm already on record of yeah. Me and Tom just don't get along. Um. No, there was a Janice Ian record that I turned somebody down because I'm like, she wasn't super well known. Janice is not super well known. So I'm like, look, we want to make sure that you people are going to listen, are going to tune in. And I just don't think. You could have said no, too. No. That would have been fine. You know what? In 1996, Jewel was a big thing. Yeah. I don't know how big of a thing that she is now, but. Back then, when you know the Lilith Fair was a big mm-hmm. thing, oh, yeah. the the singer songwriter, the female singer songwriters were a, the female singer songwriter. Yeah. Like I just pulled out um, the Sean Colvin record that came out yeah. from from that time period. Mm-hmm. What is that? Um, Some little repairs. Is that what it's called? I think you're right. Um, and then the, the, the Paula Cole record that came out at that same time. And then Sarah McLaughlin came out around that, that same time with, um, I don't remember which one. Alanis Morissette. Morissette Yeah. um, So Tracy Bonham. That Tracy Bonham record is so good. I mean, so there was, it was a big thing and Jewel was, Jewel was a big deal. We'll talk about how big a deal she, she was. So. All right, so Van, I'm, I'm putting you on the spot here. So, um, why why Jewel as opposed to say Joni Mitchell? Is it just this was kind Less of the expected. formative years? Okay. Less expected. Joni Mitchell doesn't need more press, and everybody's <laughs> fangirling over Joni Mitchell because, and she is a yeah. genius. Like I'm not going to knock Joni; she's a master. Uh, but but I think that, you know, regardless of whether or not, like, this Jewel record, you love or hate the songs, and uh, it's a little more off the beaten path, and I don't know, I just wanted to do it. There was no question in my mind that I wanted to do this record, even though I hadn't listened to it in a while, and yeah. I knew it was an oddball choice. I just wanted to do it. It's all good. Um, out, yeah. Outside, outside of painters, I don't know if there is any songs on here that I hate. 
Yeah. Yeah, Painters, so. I'm really... <laughs> I, I was confused by that song. I actually didn't even remember that it was yeah. a thing until I listened to it, and I was like, whoa. All right, I don't we're, know what's we're, we're, we're skipping ahead still. All but right, did I'll... you know... I have a question. Did you know, because yeah. I didn't know this, did you know that it was uh, recorded at Neil Young's studio? Like, the studio tracks were recorded there? I didn't know yeah. that. I went back and I was like, whoa, that's pretty rad well you know so this is this is kind of an interesting because i i wanted to bring this up while we talk i always thought it was odd that there were some songs that you could tell were recorded in a coffee house you know keep in mind this is the 90s so coffee house thing was you know the thing um you know smelly cat whatever you want to call it uh with uh, coffee (laughs) houses um, but there's a number of songs that are on this that were recorded live, and then there were the the the, the songs right. that were recorded right. at uh, at Neil Young's studio. Um, the one of the interviews that I read, and and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but one of the interviews that I read was that was on purpose because yep. Jewel Jewel felt like she. She had the magic there live mm-hmm. in the coffee houses as opposed to being in the studio. Mm-hmm. Do you guys do you guys have that same feel of performing versus yeah, I, studio stuff? I thought she yeah, it's hard to tell. I mean, other than until the audience claps at the end, it's it's very she's it's very natural. What the thing I liked about the the original recordings was because uh, when I found when I I bought this CD mm-hmm. in '96 or '97 because I saw the video for "You Were Meant for Me," yeah. And when you listen to the CD, uh, well, at least when you listen to the the original recordings from Spotify, there's so much. It doesn't sound polished. It has this, I don't know this, this uh, this emotional mm-hmm. rawness in the Foolish Game and "You Were Meant for Me" that they that they wash out in the, in the single version, yeah. which is at which I think initially I was surprised that they, that the, they, I heard the first polished version and I thought, you know, what's going on here. But as I listened to it this last couple of weeks, like there, it adds so much to those two songs, particularly that I just can't believe they, that they did that. Yeah, yeah. I agree. 100%. Yeah. So, did you guys so this was originally released in February of 95 but Wayne you mentioned that you didn't buy it until 96 97 um it really didn't hit until I believe she toured with Bob Dylan yeah and that gave her a little bit yeah. of a uh, extra cred um and got her a little notoriety so and and I will say this this is this is how I remember there was a show, there was a video show on VH1, and I'm trying to remember what it was called. Do you remember? And it tried to... Pop-up video? No, it wasn't the pop-up videos, loved but I love I loved, I loved that. I did, too. Um, it, and it was geared towards more like the Americana-type mm-hmm. crowd. So it was like, I remember Blues Traveler got played on it a lot. Um, yeah. And Jewel got got played on it. Sean Colvin, like I mentioned, and that's where I saw "Who Will Save Your Soul" the video for for that. Um, and that didn't come until oh, 
18 months later after she mm-hmm. recorded, you know, this this album. So kudos kudos for her for kind of sticking it out and I'm sure most artists would have gone, nope, it's the the wave for promoting the that this record yeah. is is gone, but um they stuck with it. This was a this was a hit. Um as of uh as of recording this, I believe it has been certified twelve times platinum. Incredible. Sold twelve million copies in the US. It's one of the best selling debut records of of all time. We'll talk about some of the singles as well. Uh peaked at number four on the Billboard two hundred. Um is there anybody on in the band that we know of except for like I did see the credits Spooner Oldham it plays mm-hmm. keyboards on a few of the songs outside of him I'm not sure if I know anybody on in the band uh, I, I saw Charlotte Caffey mentioned in, on piano and arrangements she was in the Go Go's okay okay all right um anything else. How did you get? How did you guys get introduced to this? Was it also kind of the same thing, VH1 or radio, or how, how did you guys get introduced? I feel like for me, I it was radio. I feel like I heard her on the radio in Orlando, and her voice was so unique. And I've taken a lot of flack for my voice over the years, and you know, her voice has a lot has so many different sounds in yeah. one person and so i immediately like latched on to the this singer who could like make all sorts of sounds um and i think it was foolish games that made me want to go buy the cd and then i bought the cd and you know i wasn't obsessed with her i was really obsessed with pearl jam that at that point in my life okay. but i loved this album this was an album that i like went back to I went back to. I knew all the songs. I, I knew them all by heart. I would figure them out on the piano, you know, at my at my little house in Apopka, up by where Hannah lives. Okay. Uh, you know, and I I think she wasn't the first singer songwriter that I feel like I connected with emotionally, but she was the first one that showed me kind of like how much the human voice could do as a singer who was from that era. You know, she's got yeah. a lot of that Joni Mitchell in her vocal. But I didn't know that. I didn't know Joni Mitchell in 1995, 96, 97. I only knew Jewel. So, yeah. What about you, Hannah? When did you hear this record? So, I have an older sister who, in those years of my life, all the music I was listening to kind of funneled through her. So, I'm not sure where Jewel landed for her. But for me, like, those kind of holy trinity of female singer-songwriters of that coming out with new stuff in that era. It was definitely, as Wayne mentioned, like Alanis Morissette, Tracy Bonham, and Jewel. And so, like, those, they all had great records that came out. Obviously, Jagged Little Pill was the one that really took off. Um, But we, you know, she was, my sister was freshly driving around that time, um, you know, like, late 90s. And so that was, like, the put these CDs yeah. on in the car yeah. as she drives me around to music. Um, and then this was also before I was really, I was kind of learning how to play guitar and like those how Leonard or fake books yeah. were coming out. And there was a fake book of this record that my dad bought 
um, because he had noticed me like trying to write down on pieces of paper, like what the lyrics were so I could maybe try to figure them out. So then he bought the fake book, but yeah, it's one of those ones where I feel like if somebody played any of these songs, they'd be like, Oh God, yes. So good. But like, it's not necessarily one that I like jump to in my mind immediately, but good records are kind of like that. They're just staples, but you don't always go right for them, you know? All right. Guys ready to jump into this? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. So as a reminder, our scoring is based off a number of songs on the record. Wayne, how many songs on this one? 14. Which means top song is going to get 14 points. Next favorite, 13. On Dan to lowest score of one. We're going to kick this off with Who Will Save Your Soul? I read that she said that this was the first song that she ever wrote. Oh my gosh. How's how's <laughs> what a jerk. How's that? Fine, Jewel. Way to make all of us look bad. Um, who have ever who's ever attempted to, to write a song? <laughs> all right. Uh this was this was uh nominated for a Grammy for uh female pop rock vocal she didn't win let me see if you guys can 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 figure out who wins from from this group so sean colvin get out of this house which is just a fantastic song uh celine dion because you love me tony braxton unbreak my heart gloria stefan reach i don't know that last one tony braxton unbreak my heart yeah it's tony that's that's that song. That's a damn good song. Uh, yeah. yeah. All right. Um, what do we got? What do we got on this? Van, get us started. What do you like about this song? Uh, I gave it a. What did I give it a twelve? I think it's an amazing song. I mean, lyrically, it's 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 sort of incisive. She's like that. She's sort of a fearless lyricist when she's like going for it. You know. Yeah. Um. So it's kind of a fearless song and it's fearless vocally as well. I feel like I'm going to say that a lot about this record because that's kind of who she is as a singer. And um, for me, it's always going to be how the vocal and the lyric play together. And I feel like this song really exposes her vocal in a beautiful way. Yeah. Hannah, how about you? What do you like about this song? Um, this, this song was 11 for me. And uh, well, I think songs can get talked about as being timeless, but this is one of those ones that you can really put in that category. Yeah. Like, I, I do feel like um, not only was she really poetic with the way that she laid some of this out, but like, for crying out loud, the first whole part of it is about reality television before reality television right? even existed. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, so... Yeah, I think I just, if, if she's being serious that this is the first song she ever wrote, like, my God, I hope that she's still writing songs right this minute. Yeah, for sure. Wayne, anything on uh, Who Will Save Your Soul? Yeah, just uh, to, to pile on to what Hannah said. I mean, from the beginnings of reality TV and, and social media, police abuse, 
um, sexual abuse by the powers that, you know, power brokers, the elderly trying to survive on Social Security. I mean, that what what struck me the most was how relevant the song is yeah. still today. And that's a sad commentary in and of itself. But yeah. she really, um, hit, unfortunately, hit on touchstones that that still are affecting us um, to this day. Like this song, this is the first song I heard of hers, and this was played on alt rock radio around here. This because and it does it has that funky jazzy little drum intro to it, yeah. and it has a, it had a real it fit right it fit really well onto alternative rock radio in the mid nineties. Yeah, power abuse that doesn't happen. Right. Talking, talking to you, Governor Cuomo. Um, oh. all right. Sorry, that just happened today. So, <laughs> all right. Uh, this is my eleven. Um, so we we all we all rank this really high. All right. Next song is title track "Pieces of You." I'm going to just defer this over to Hannah because you had the highest score out of all of us on this one. Yeah. Um, So the word fearless has already been thrown out there. This song to me, because it is like a direct cut at any sort of um, binary, good, bad, wrong, right uh, thought process. But she does it in this way of like, I don't want to get all like existential, but I think we're all capable of really terrible shit. And so to not be able to look the dark parts of yourself in the face, um, I'm not really sure that you really can honor the the parts of you that are are present and light and love and all of those happy things. Um, And so this song to me, she just, I don't, I don't feel like sonically it's outrageous. I don't feel like the melody, if the lyrics weren't to it would do anything for me, but I just think she took something and said, you can't, okay, I'm not going to sugarcoat this whatsoever. And she doesn't. Here's this word. Yeah. yeah here's this word that people throw at people. Right. Oh, it makes, does it make you want to do this? Like with your violent rhetoric or your violent thought process? Um, so I don't know. I just, maybe I'm in a stage in my life where it's like, just stop buttering anything up and just say what you mean. Um, that I think this song is powerful in that way. Yeah. And that, the word that she throws out is is one of those words that is so hurtful that I don't even want to like repeat it here. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, me too. Yeah. Me too. I, I yeah. I'm I'm curious if if cancel culture doesn't allow her to sing this song anymore. I'm curious on I, that. Yeah, and, that, and that's too bad because, like I say, this song makes makes me uncomfortable but it's designed to and what i and what i it's one of the things I, to, yeah. I love about it is it's supposed to make you uncomfortable if you're a decent person the idea is like and i love i love how she does the design of the whole thing the very stark uh ar- you know arrangement so just an, you know an acoustic guitar in her voice and then she i think the choices of 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 ugly girl and pretty girl who are you know ugly girls picked on by girls and pretty girls are singled out by boys and 
young gay men and Jews. Like she goes, she's like, she's just, she just got cut. She just cut this broad stroke across to try to really to try to make everybody uncomfortable and, and face these. Cause I mean, the, and the words she uses are so violent. I mean, you know, kicking her face and kicking his brains. I mean, it's, she's, she's really for a, this is her debut record. And she, I mean, I you would think that they would have they would have tried to to tone this down to or cut no. this one out. Right. So for her to put this on there, and like I say, I think Brave maybe maybe overreaching, but I mean, this is it's a this is a bold statement for a for a young artist, twenty yeah. one year old, you know, twenty something year old girl to in really, the 90s. yeah, the 90s. to push like to get yeah. right in your face yeah. and just say I'm going to make everybody uncomfortable. I'm going to, but. By, you should be uncomfortable by it. It's your that's the it's designed that way and it's perfectly designed. And oh by the way, I'm gonna name the album after this yeah. song. That, yeah, once again, <laughs> that's a great choice. Ballsy. That's Gutsy I mean, to to claim your humanity and your evil in the same song, like to make you sit in yeah. discomfort and also call you to compassion, like it's not my favorite song. It's not my favorite song, but it wasn't supposed to be, right? Um, right. Yeah, yeah. I just... So freaking brave. And I did not remember that this song was that song. <laughs> when I went back to listen to it, I was like, oh, oh shit, yeah. this is a dark album. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. This makes me want to vomit. Okay, great. How <laughs> so much longer is this song? Oh! Uh-huh. But in a good, it's good. It's good though. It's good to sit with your discomfort, you know. Yeah. All right, scores, Wayne. What do you got? I I gave it an eight, but I I I just think it's uh it's more powerful than that. I don't know how. I just like I say a lot of good stuff at the top. Yep. Hannah, your score. I gave it a ten. Van. I gave it a bad score. I gave it a four because I didn't love the All melody. Right. Yeah. Okay. I don't feel bad with my five then. Okay. All right. So, <laughs> all right. Little sister is next. Hey, little sister, I heard you went to Mr. So and so. Knock, knock, knocking on his door again last night. Said you needed it bad. You know that ain't right. Cause so many times you've come to me cry, crying, trying to stop. You said it hurts so sister is a zombie in a body with no solo role she has learned to play in a world today where nothing else matters but it matters we gotta start feeding our souls and um i'm just gonna throw this over to van because you gave it the highest score out of all of us little sister i mean it's a it's uh, it's following up pieces of you and it was kind of smart of her to do it that way um, the way she's playing with themes like addiction and objective objectification and abuse. And I just thought it was an, I did not remember the track listing of the song until I went and sat, you know, we'd already made this decision to do this record and I sat with it for a while and I was sitting here going, Oh my gosh, like for her to go from one to two to three, the way she did really kind of intrigued me even though again like there are better songs melodically on this record there are better songs vocally on this record but the lyric of this kind of like it's kind of like a gut punch you know um so that's why i gave it a seven that's why it, it beat out painters 
because I, I liked the content. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Wayne, uh, you gave it even a higher score than Van. Oh, you know what? And I think it. I think it's because it sounds. It sounds much happier than it actually is. I I love when people do that. I also like the story. Um, it's not it's not groundbreaking, but if you've ever had somebody that you love struggle with addiction and and they come to you and they tell you how horrible it is and how they just they need your help and then you you see that that you know they they're still doing it. Um, I thought she did that very well. I also thought she pointed the finger at at. At the, a broader culture in the in the with the uh, who we feed addiction, selling pills and what's hot, the whole idea, uh, media and 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 just pop culture in general, telling you that this is what's this is what's cool and this is what you should be doing, type of thing, and, and it'll lead people into that. And but like I say, it's also it just comes off of uh, it's got a franticness to it that in among this kind of happier melody that I I, I liked. Anything on this, Hannah, before we get scores? Um, no, I mean, I like it. It's not at my top. It's not at my bottom. Okay. What's your score on this one, Hannah? Five. All right. Van? Mine was seven. Wayne? Eleven. All right. This is my six. All right. Next song is Foolish Games. was also a single third single from the album um she re-recorded this song to use as a single to a soundtrack batman and robin batman and robin yeah um she was also nominated for a grammy award for best female pop vocal performance for this song she also didn't win for this um Okay, so let me see if you guys can guess from from these heavy hitters, all right? So you've got Mariah Carey, Butterfly. Got Paula Cole, Where Have All the Cowboys Gone? Sonny Came Home from Sean Colvin. And then Building a Mystery from Sarah McLaughlin. Oh, Oh, crap, I don't remember. Didn't Sonny come home? Sonny came home? I'm going to go with Mariah. No, no. No, it wasn't Butterflies, I don't think. It wasn't no. I, it's. I was gonna go with Sarah McLaughlin or Mariah Carey. Just it's Sarah. Building a mystery was yeah. a huge, huge <laughs> hit for song. her. So was yeah. building a mystery. That's not on the Afterglow record. It came before that, but I can't remember what record that is. But it's so good. I kind of feel like everything she did in the nineties was good. You know what I mean? Like she couldn't write about. Yeah. Thing. I saw her live at the St. Augustine Amphitheater like maybe five or six years ago, and I just. So good. Surfacing. Surfacing. Ah, oh, okay. Yeah. Surfacing. Yeah, yeah. okay. I, I couldn't remember. Um, 
All right. What do you guys think? Do you like the album version or did you go and listen to the single version of this one? I like the album version. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I've only listened. I don't think that I even could tell you what the single version sounds like. Yeah. Other than like radio part, but I. Yeah. It's not as vulnerable. Yeah. It's, it's glossy. A lot of the the vulnerability, like I say, is all, it's all washed out. Uh, the raw emotion that's in the in her voice when she sings, because like I say, um, the relationship between this guy—I mean, he's much more casual about it than she is—and I love the way she, you know, the foolish games you're tearing me apart, not us apart. It's because it's right. just mm-hmm. it's just her that's being hurt. And I thought one of the cool songwriter uh, techniques that she used that where beyond, almost maybe beyond her years, you would have thought, is where she puts that first few lines of the beginning into the end to bring it all back around again. This is still happening. This whole, you you get that this is still continuing on. Even you just heard this girl pour out her heart. She's, I mean, bleeding before you, and yet it's still going on. And like I say, so from this relationship with this guy that is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on a limb and say he's, casual until he needs to not be and then he probably is is less casual until it's what when it do, you know when it doesn't suit his needs anymore um but on a broader scope uh he has all these great qualities that she loves about him and so uh maybe he's difficult maybe he's temperamental difficult and hard to get along with confrontational sometimes he's got good qualities too so yeah. she wrote this about you wayne <laughs> that, well, what's funny is that's how it feels like that's yeah. one of the reasons that this song hits me so hard and and the album version much more so than the Batman and Robin single version is because, because it absolutely does feel like my first and second wife and my third girlfriend acting or t- singing <laughs> singing about me that's an interesting yeah. perspective that's a really interesting perspective all right. Um, who else? Anyone else want to chime in here about how great Foolish Games is? Uh, oh, wow. So jaded. So not cool with the song. Um, <laughs> I, 14-year-old me gave this song a 13. Okay. Like, I had gotten dumped. And this song... <laughs> like, And who like, who's even dating at 14? I wasn't really dating, but I thought I was. And uh, I can just remember being carried away in the car by this song. And then when I revisited the performance and like, you know, I've listened to this off and on, but I hadn't really listened to it in years, you know, and listening to her, the album performance, she meant every single lyric, even though like some of the lyrics to me aren't quite as cool as some of the other lyrics on this record. But the feeling behind the lyrics is matched so well by her performance. I have so much respect for a vocalist who will let their voice fall apart on stage only to put it back together. That takes a lot more skill than anyone who's not a singer would ever know. It takes so much control to let your voice sort of like disintegrate like that and then come back up. Um, so it just kind of like blew my mind and also like I had this sentimental attachment to like being dumped and crying through this song and like eating microwave popcorn and crying to this song. So <laughs> and there's strings. 
So it's kind of like all my favorite things in in uh, in one spot. But it's fine, guys. I love it, and I don't care who knows. <laughs> yeah, this is this is my fourteen. The vocal performance kills me. It's insane. It's so, it's so good. It's so good. All right, um, let's get other scores. Wayne, what do you got? Oh, 13. I think it was a nice touch uh, after roping us in with some some, some acoustic guitar that then she goes dark piano ballad. Very, mm. very a very Joni yes. Mitchell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Van, what was your score again? Mine was a 12. No, 13. This was a 13. Okay. Hannah, your score? 12. Okay. Strong song. Good job, Jewel. <laughs> next, next song is Near You Always. gonna throw this over to hannah because uh, i see your your score on this one hannah loved it. yeah this is my 13 um so this song maybe it's my recovering codependent ways uh but i just really feel like in the ways that foolish games might be more of the, I don't want to say obvious because, you know, the different songs affect people in different ways. This one is the one that really gets me, though, because, like, it's like, please don't make me, please don't make me feel what I have to feel for you. Um, I think coming off of Foolish Games where it's like, here are all these beautiful and uh, quirky and, you know, um, kind of intriguing things about this person who doesn't offer it back to me and what a foolish game we're playing. This one's like, damn it, just stop it. It just makes me want to be near you. Like, you know, like I don't even care about your cool, intriguing quirk anymore. I just want it to be over. <laughs> um, but it's all, it's still just a declaration of love in its own way. I don't know. I love it. Obviously. I I just love the lyric of your hands are in my hair, but my heart my heart is in your teeth. Yeah, oh, that is so that yeah. is so sexy, but not it. But yeah. like in this, uh, uh, that's the, uh, yeah. the coolest lines in the song. Yeah, so agreed, vulnerable. agreed. So vulnerable. Yep, her strength every time. That yep. vulnerability. Yep. yep. All right. Um, scores, or do you, or Wayne? Do you want to? Want to chime in on any of this? Um, you know, and I gave it a nine. I like pre up to this point. You can definitely hear that Joni Mitchell has been an influence on her, yeah. and you and there's little things along the way that you may or may not notice. I think she go, she goes overtly Joni Mitchell in this song, and there and that is probably <laughs> very much or definitely the reason for my much higher score. Um, I think the title has a very kind of Joni Mitchell sound to it. Um, in that 
in that line where she's don't think you realize the effect you have over me. She has like a lot of times Joni Mitchell have too many words to cram into a measure and she'll start to get faster and faster at the end to get them in. She does that a couple of times and, and it does, it, it doesn't feel it, it feels natural and it's, it's, I love Joni Mitchell. So I really don't have anything. I, I can't hide my, my love for, for it based on that alone. And that was due to this podcast that you became the Joni It's true. You know, it's only gotten bigger Thank since you, Liz then. Longley. That song, <laughs> she even goes so far, it's not even just the amount of syllables. Some of the rhythmic tricks that she uses are so... Uh, you don't want to say derivative because we're all ripping each other off all the time, but it's so inspired by Blue. A lot of the rhythmic, like the vocal phrasing, sounds like it could be... Pop Joni on that, and it could have been hers. That's a huge compliment for any writer. If anyone ever said that to me, I'd be like, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, damn right it is. But it's definitely there. It's not even just yeah. with the the lyric writing. It's the phrasing and the timing with which she sings those words even has a very, like, Joni inflection, which is really cool, I think. Especially in the 90s when, like, nobody, nobody who was listening to her record knew anything about Joni. So it's really interesting to think about it that way. All right. Van, what was your score on Near You Always? Um, 10. Okay. Wayne? A 9. And this is my 10. That leads us to Painters. minutes 44 seconds and it's not the longest song on the album anybody want to chime in on painters it's not only the length (laughs) i mean that sunk it melodically it's boring and it's the, 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 the biggest thing to me though is this all the songs up to this point i'm not saying i can't validate whether they were real or based on experiences or anything but it's least it's very likely that they were in the wheelhouse of a 20 an early 20 something year old uh woman this one is about an experience that that she that she's completely fictional she has no so not that she doesn't she did her best there's times where it feels cliche and forced but it doesn't feel natural i guess to me and it goes and I, on way too long. I looked at the, yeah. I literally looked every time between 323 and 340 and said, is this fucking song over yet? Like she, <laughs> it, uh, every time. That, okay. I couldn't have said it any better. All right, let's get scores. <laughs> um, this is my one. Wayne. I gave it a two cause she, uh, for reasons I'll talk about later. Okay. It was difficult. It's my one. All right. And Van? I gave it a two because there was one okay. I didn't like. This is this is your deuce. All right. Next song is Morning Song. Leave the dishes in the Do not answer the door. It's you.
And I'm looking at scores, and I feel like we're gonna be uh, we're gonna be divided here. So this is oh, my, no. this this is my thirteen. I've I've always <gasps> I've always I loved, love that. I have always loved for it. you. I know for me. You love pancakes. <laughs> I love that for you. I uh, I don't know. You know what? When this came out, I love I love the sentiment. Look, let's be honest. It doesn't. It didn't date well. Um, yeah. especially with the you know references to phone machine. I mean, <laughs> I know. I underline you know, that. That that made me laugh every time. Don't answer the door. But what if it's the Amazon guy? I mean, you know. So <laughs> it's. It probably didn't date well, but I think it's the sentimentality of during that time period. It yeah. was when I was courting my wife. Um, so there is th- there's a little bit of sentimentality sweet. there. And um, my husband loves this song. Okay, so, so it's the, it's, it it's the dudes that yeah. like the song. It's yeah. the females who are like, yeah, nobody she says come back to bed. She absolutely captures that Saturday me. Sunday morning when you yeah. You know, there's no kids around. You're just you just drink coffee in bed, and and she just she just captured it. It was total nostalgia for me, one hundred percent. You know, I take the phone off. You know, disconnect the phone. Did anybody uh, make the mistake of listening to the 25th anniversary edition version? No, is it there, bad? There is a single version. It didn't get released here in the states, I don't think. But there's a single version. Um, it's awful. Like it's got this <laughs> funky percussion and strings, and it almost ruined my score. Um, but I I <laughs> oh, stayed no. true. I stayed true to my thirteen. So, um, Van, you don't love this song though, based off of the no. score that I'm seeing. So, no, it. I think because it didn't. It doesn't feel like real life to me, even okay. a little bit. Did um, did it feel like real life prior to four kids? <laughs> Anna, stop. Uh, I think I just maybe I'm just like too much of like an emo dark heart. Like okay. I love this. I love this. Okay, okay, hold on, hold on. I need to make a confession. Are you guys ready? Yes. Yes. So I'm, I'm the person that hates this song, right? Yeah. So this morning, it was a rainy, a rainy morning in Florida, and I was feeling tired, and my husband brought me coffee in bed and kept the kids away while he was working, and I got to sleep. My husband brings me coffee in bed every day, so I guess I really shouldn't have so many issues with the song. So now I feel like completely like I'm a fraud. It feels like haters going to hate. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> But, you know, I think just lyrically, I felt I I didn't feel as excited about the choices of words. Although she does such a good job of painting that picture, right? Yeah. She does a great job of painting the picture. I just didn't, I don't know, just didn't feel. And I feel it. like I, maybe I give it a little bit more, more points from the, from the pe- fact that it is kind of the outlier on this album. You know, we're talking sure. about, we've been talking about all these really heady subjects and now we're just yeah. talking about, I'm just going to hang out in my <laughs> bed all day. Yeah. Like she's talking about like coffee and morning sex and yeah. weekend stuff, you know, and 
I know, but then towards the end, she's talking about role playing. It's getting, it's getting, it's getting sexier and dirtier. (laughs) She's got, she's got the guys hooked in because she stays sweet. She keeps the sweet delivery, but then she starts talking like and uh, like references to Henry Miller and uh, Aeneas Nin. They're yeah, they're very controversial, very controversial, and you know, people who wrote about very explicit stuff. So she's she's keeping you know that this this version of her the sweetness of her but then she's but she's but she's her she may be saying sweet things but she's her eyes are saying something dirty <laughs> there you go you All guys right. love that yeah absolutely <laughs> suckers yep the, the song that divided the genders right here this is it alright um, so Wayne your score a 10 and then Van <laughs> one <laughs> And then Hannah. I I'm an eight. I mean, it's like middle of the road for me. She's somewhere. I can take it or leave it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Next song is Adrian. And this is going to be another song that I think is going to divide us. Um, Van, what do you like about Adrian? What I like about it is the storytelling. I It was a middle of... It's in my middle. I gave it a nine. So it's in the middle of the record for me. Uh, I think I felt like she was being honest. And even though I don't know if this is a real story. And I liked that about the song. And I thought lyrically it was strong. Um... You know, it's not one of those songs that I would hit repeat and want to like hear over right. and over again. I just respected it as a as a piece of work, so that's why I gave it a nine. Okay, Hannah, anything on Adrian? I gave it a six. It's I think um, it evokes a little bit to a certain extent of like the Jason Isbell elephant discomfort for me, where it's like. This is a hard thing that you're putting pretty lyricism to that's important. Um, but it just doesn't quite drive it home in the way that Elephant does so well. Yeah, this, is, um, this is not Elephant. No. No, I'm not at all saying they belong in the same. Yeah. I mean, you know, sure. I don't like to whatever. But um, <laughs> I'm just saying it was reminiscent in my like, oh, this is hard. And, you know, this is something that we sh- we should be willing to sing about. Yeah. Uh, sure. A story like this, I just it just doesn't do it for me necessarily. Okay. Yeah. Wayne, yeah, and I I agree with with what Van said. I think it is a compelling story, and I I wanted to like it, but the pace is so slow, and she uses that yeah. that uh, kid voice almost in yeah. it, and that, and I couldn't I couldn't get over it, and she yeah. does it for seven minutes. So I I Longest wanted to like this story. I wanted to like this song, and. Because there's moments in it that I that I do like, and I said, and I guess I really think the uh, that that interplay where the the town is you know talk whispering, and someone says I'd turn the machines off. That is somebody who has never had that fucking choice. Uh, anybody who says it like that, 
has never doesn't has has no point of reference to that. And I thought she does lots of wonderful things in here. And I and I really like the story, but I don't like the pace and I don't like the vocal, the, you know, delivery that she's using. Yeah. Yeah, this is this is my two. You mentioned, you know, seven minutes. Yeah, this is the longest song on the record. Um, co-writing credits go to fellow musician Steve Poltz, who was her man at the time. Um, I'm going to save my Steve Poltz story for <laughs> another another yeah. song coming up. All Steve right, Poltz uh, is definitely hit or miss for me. All right, I'm <laughs> I'm sensitive. Is next. Based solely on the title, the the track title, this could also be known as the Ballad of Ben Montgomery. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm just going to kick this over. I'm looking at scores. So, Hannah, this got your top top score. So, what is it it that I'm sensitive? It did. Um, I think this song has just had the longevity from this record for me. Like, the opening... uh, Hold on, I'm sorry. My dog is going bananas in the living room right now. So um, she likes it too. She really, this is her favorite track from the record. Um, as well. Yes. The like rhythmic upstroke guitar playing in the beginning, like that's all it takes for this song. I don't know. She just unlocks something for me. And I think, you know, it's been in soundtracks. It obviously did get some uh, attention at the time. Um, but I really... This song, for me, as I get to know myself as an adult, uh, who was once a child listening to this, sorry. <laughs> we, yeah, okay. Uh, which is, I don't know if I should pay attention to it or not pay attention to it, but um, anyway, this song for me, like, it is Little Hannah and it's Big Hannah too. Okay, like... I'm sorry. Do you want me to start over? I just don't know anymore. No, are you kidding me? This is okay. gold. This, okay. is, this, is, okay. this is great. Oh, God. Um, but also, on a very serious note, um, that whole line of, like, I have this theory that if we're told we're bad, it's the only idea we'll ever have. Like, great line. that is so foundational to the things that I've had to help heal of myself and of, you know, like, trying to be a parent and making sure that I'm not instilling all of this madness into my little people. Um, like, I don't know, I just, from the melody to the lyric structure to just even the simplicity of, like, be careful with me, I'm sensitive, and I'd like to stay that way. It's my choice, I'm going to stay this way. Uh, I love it. Yeah. Van, anything? It's one of my favorite songs on the record. It's another timeless song. If you look at the lyrics, it's a a fucking hard-hitting song, you know? And, like, you don't notice that if you're just, like, listening to the melody. And that's kind of the trick of Jules' writing. You know, you can listen to this sort of ethereal voice and miss it. 
But if you listen closely, you get this lyrical content that, honestly, guys, like, it's a lot more mature than some of the other artists that we've talked about tonight. Because um, she's so real. And this is yeah. one of those songs, like, it's much braver to choose to stay soft than it is to let yourself build walls. And to choose to stay soft is something that I have fought for. Um, you know, I, I think that that's a common experience for men and women. I think with women, it certainly translates differently. Um, Hannah and I have, have tracked along a very similar journey with unlearning a lot of horribly toxic teachings we were we were handed as children. And this song is sort of an anthem in a way, like for a girl like me who was taught so many things about herself that were untrue. And it's sort of like growing up is this shedding process of learning, like, no, it's beautiful to yeah. feel deeply and it's beautiful to be raw. And, you know, if we can't live, like the song is like living, breathing empathy, right? Empathy for oneself and empathy for others. Um, and just verse after verse of this song. It's just incredibly profound. And again, like you realize how young she was when she wrote this. And it's so very timely and current even now. Um, I think I gave it a 10 or 11. I'm looking. It's, it's, I mean, it's one of my top songs. It's not my top song, but it is one of my top songs. And I just love it. I have so much respect yep. for this song. Yeah, this, this song ended up giving my eight. Wayne, you're kind of the outlier. Yeah, and I I don't I mean this was hard to score. You're not as sensitive. God, that's probably true. Uh, well, that's, that's actually true. What it but is. uh, and I think <laughs> it's the kid voice again, and the one, and I I so because I wrote in my notes, I like what she's saying. I'm but just that's, not particularly fun. I know I about this, I don't though. I I get why she's doing it. She doesn't. Yeah. Most of the stuff she does is a, feels appropriate. I get she's trying to make a bigger point by it. I just yeah. didn't like it. Yeah. Um, but it's funny as it reminds, cause it reminds me of that episode on Friends where Phoebe sings, uh, to the kids at the library. It, and so it's a very serious song, but sung in this very Sesame Street kind of way. Um, but I, the best line is if we robbed the cynics and took all their food, that way what they believe will have happened taken place. And I was just like, that's, that's brilliant. Like that is absolute genius right there. Yeah. All right. Next song is You're Meant for Me. It was happy, oh, I was sad, and it made me miss you. Oh, so bad, cause dreams last so long. Hey, that I think I'm gone. I know that you love me, and soon you will see. one of the, the the singles off the album it peaked at number two on the billboard hot 100 any guesses what kept it out of the number one spot on april 19th of 1997 oh that's hard can't nobody Apple? hold me down from puff daddy and mace <laughs> wow i had to listen to it again because i'm like i don't um, is I, that the one where I, he's like, I'm the macaroni with the cheese? I, no, that's a different one. <laughs> yeah, I, I, could, I 
I don't even know. Um, <laughs> so Steve Poltz is featured in the video. Uh, he is the co-writer on this one. Um, I did get to see him in concert a number of years ago. He actually does perform this song every so often, and he changes the line of, I break the yokes and make a smiley face. I believe he changes it to, I stab the yokes to make a frowny face. So, <laughs> That's um, mature. Anyways. He de- <laughs> and he also references, so if you want if you really want to go get offended, listen to his song called Happier Hour. Um, because in the lyrics it says, did I ever, he's, it, it's a song about trying to pick up a, a person in a bar. And he's like, did I ever tell you that I wrote a hit with Jewel? I was truly, <laughs> I was truly meant for you and you were truly meant for me. So anyways, Ugh, he, sounds he like even such does a little a yodel in it. It's, it's yeah. Wow. Steve is a, Steve is a character. I'll just leave it at that. Um, Wayne, I think this is another one of uh, those songs that we as dudes liked, and the I don't think the females liked it as much. Oh, well, there's I gave ve- this a 12. There's very few songs that get a tear in my eye every time I hear them, um, and this is one of them, and it's, and it's like what I was talking about, the emotion that she sings with. Like, she's in this place where, you know, she's moving on, but she's not ha- happy about it. She's still... She's completely tormented in a lot of ways i love this i love how she puts in the little things that bothered him that she doesn't do anymore <laughs> leaving the keys in the door and not putting the cat back on the toothpaste she doesn't she's not they she just slides them in you know leaving the light on which is a guy thing we all hate leaving the lights on because our dad told us how much power we were wasting <laughs> and how much the power bill costs so but there's just all of those she i mean leaving wet towels on the floor she kind of throws them all in but she's, you know, and then that the chorus about, you know, uh, dreams last for so long. Like, even after this is not happening, I still want it to happen. She's in complete purgatory in the, and, and she's supposedly moved on, but she, it's begrudgingly so. And like I say, the, the single version pretties it up. And I don't, I think that's wrong. I think what I this like song it. needs that, that fragility, this person that's, that's just one second away from a breakdown. Fan anything on this one? This isn't my favorite song. It's it it delves back into that like sort of like horny territory. Even though it's a good song, like I like the song, but I don't know what's wrong with me. It's just it's just not my favorite. <laughs> well, if, if but it's I'm not... looking at the score, I gave it. Yeah, Hannah gave it even a, I gave it a, a worse score than you did, though. I, I feel that I have to just say that maybe this is the one that just got so played oh. out that yeah. I yeah. just can't anymore. I just can't. Yeah. yeah. And sorry, Joel, it's probably still great, but I, I just can't. Like, Wayne, I respect all the reasons that you yeah. love it. I just don't <laughs> love it. Yeah, you know, listening to this album took at. me down a rabbit hole today. So you were you were mentioning Wayne that this you can't listen to the song without you know getting verklempt. Um, I put on Bonnie Raitt's "Luck of the Draw" because oh. um, I can't make you love me tears me up every freaking oh. time I listen to that song. So that's that was my rabbit hole today. I listened to that album. So Wayne, you are an emotional guy, huh? 
You're not like just the casual guy who listens. Yeah, to I guess I got my I got my moments. Like he's not sensitive. Yeah, I listen to the song when no one's around. I <laughs> he wants to say that forget. <laughs> but I do keep the mirror spotless, and I stop throwing my towels on the floor. <laughs> right. good, good, good on you. All right, next song is "Don't." Kind of have a feeling that the 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 remainder of the album is going to be kind of um, middle of the road for all of us. Is that kind of kind of it? Yeah, well, I re- I remember having this album, and sometimes I would just end it at "You Were Meant for Me." But don't's a good song. That's I don't fine. have any notes on it. Anybody got notes on don't? No. Sure don't. <laughs> All right, Wayne, anything? Um, yeah, I like the guitar mostly on it. I could say she it's kind of uh real subtle and then it and it gets more robust in spots. Um, but the idea of this a song about an ex who's trying to work their way back in isn't isn't freshly covered ground. Um, I do like the way she when she says fall in love with you and then she whispers again. Um, but that's it was middle of the road for me. Okay. This is my seven. Wayne? I also gave it a seven. Van? Five. Hannah? Four. Okay. Next song, Daddy. Going up to be and do all those sick things you said that I would do. Well, last night I saw you sneak out your window with your white Hannah, anything on Daddy? You had the highest score of all of us for this one. Yeah, um, I think I just like to be uncomfortable. That's what I'm kind of realizing about when I... I'm noticing that. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think, um, you know, we... Whether we mean to or not, that whole Freudian part of you carry things from your parents that sometimes you should call out. Um, while I'm grateful that I never saw my father sneak out in a white hood. Uh, so yeah. it maybe if she meant that literally, who knows? But um, I, I think this kind of art uh, is necessary. So I dig this song. Yeah, the whole thing changes right then. What Though the, I mean, your next album is going to be Hannah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Wayne. Go ahead. No, it's just like when you're listening to this song, and you're—I mean, it's—it's not—it's not brain surgery. I mean, you're hearing her talk about these things that she's she clearly learned this learned behavior. You know, the the sleeping past noon and drinking coffee and smoking like a chimney and and referencing it back to herself, but ending each line with the word daddy. And it's all kind of innocuous, kind of, you know, you're forming this casual visual, you know, picture in your mind. And then the white hood sucker punch comes in and it changes your whole view. 
because the connotation is obvious and whether it's a metaphor for something or whether she just wanted to get everybody's attention all of a sudden, either way, it works. Yeah, you went from yeah. leaving the refrigerator door open to leaving to being in the KKK. Like it's uh, yeah. this, it's yeah. just the way she yeah. does it. She just—it's a rope-a-dope move. Like you're just kind of listening along, and everything's yeah. My dad's an asshole too. Yeah, I get that. Everything's good, and then he never did that, or at least I don't know about it. Like it changes your whole view with everything. The next time you yeah. hear it, you're waiting for it. Yeah. 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 All right. This is yeah. my three. Yeah, I think there's also it's your three. It's my three. I don't know. I think there's one other thing about it that probably pushed my score up higher. And it's that, like, people can always have things about you that they think reflects onto them. And I think maybe the kicker of that White Hood statement is also saying, like, you can talk all this shit about me and how that makes you look. But, like, you're not willing to, you know, walk out the front dadgum door with that hood on if you're really going to be proud of who you are. You know? Like, um, I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. So it was my seven. Van, what was your score? Uh, mine was a three for okay. this. I just didn't love it. But I also do think it has a place. And it had a place then and it has a place now. You know? I just, melodically, it was hard for me. As like a, yeah, like that. That that's what made this song hard for me. I, it didn't feel particularly melodic and I'm just kind of a sucker for melody. But, hundred percent with what Hannah's saying. And I also think like discomfort is important and I'm shocked at how much discomfort was on this record when I went to revisit it. Like shocked and proud. Like proud of who this person is that she would right. be. Wayne, did I get your score? Um I gave it a six and one thing that I, that kinda came to mind listening to this is uh it's funny how father issues cross gender, race, and economic boundaries. Everybody has problems True. with their dad to some degree. At least a little bit, if not a lot. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't want. I don't like that truism. <laughs> um, all right, uh, Angel standing by is next. Second to last song. Fifth anniversary version. There's also a song on that that includes the song "Angel Needs a Ride." I'm not sure if they're related or not. I didn't do enough research on that. Um, there's not a whole lot to this song. This is this is the song that I remember would usually be where I stopped playing the CD. Um, so I'll get I'll get to that next song because of that. So I don't have any notes on this one. This is my four. Not super memorable for me. Is it memorable for any of you guys? It was in the middle for me. I felt like the arrangement was nice. The singing was nice. The the treatment of it was sort of more sophisticated than some of the other songs. But yeah, it's not like a from a writing standpoint. There's just not a lot there. Yeah. Hannah, anything? I just I just muted her. <laughs> Sorry. Hannah. <laughs> this one was uh, kind of lower in the pack for me, but beautiful tune, just 
There's the dog. So maybe you'll just omit me from this section. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. Wayne? Uh, yeah, well, initially it seems like vocally showing off. It has much more of an operatic kind of uh, feel to it. And then somewhere about the halfway point, it gets this bluesy country swagger that it kind of finishes out with. So at two and a half minutes, when you think of where it started, um, I definitely, it's definitely a, a journey, but uh, I still, I gave it a five. Last but not least, Amen. only angels have wings and the rest must wait to be saved. This was my favorite song on the album. Yes. Um, tell, tell me why. Well, I think because like you, I used to not play the whole album. I didn't. It was fresh to me because of that. Right. Yeah. Like I have listened to it, but I hadn't listened to it as closely as a kid as I did this weekend last week. And lyrically, it's sort of like, it's sexual, but it's also like kind of apocalyptic. And I'm always here for both of those things. Um, and the vocal execution on it matches the lyrics and sort of is her performance on the album. It's just, it's pretty mind blowing. It's flawless. It sounds like it's one take. And to me, when you match the lyrics like the, like these, um, you know, pieces of us die every day. She also ties in another song into this lyric. Yeah. That's like, good Amen. job, Julie girl. Yeah. Uh, pieces of us die every day as though our flesh were hell. Such injustice as children were told that from God we fell. Where are my angels? Where's my golden one? Where's my hope? And like, just, she goes on and on and then she ends it in a hallelujah. That's the tension of being a human being. So for me, it was a 14. I was like, oh my God, I'm done. I'm dead. This song's perfect. You know? Yeah. This this song felt brand new to me. Me too. Just because I've, I've I, like I mentioned, I, I, I stopped the CD earlier. So this was, this was refreshing mm-hmm. um, hearing this. I gave it a nine. So I did give it one of my, one of my higher scores as well. Um, Hannah, I see that you're matching my nine. So what is it about this song? Yeah, we've. I think I think we had similar tastes on this album in a lot of places, but um, except for Morning Song, <laughs> except for Morning Song, <laughs> um, I won't apologize. I don't expect you to, either. Um, but I think similarly to what you guys are saying, I, you know, maybe because of the age or uh, season of my life I was in when this record was like super popular. Um, I don't know that I made it to the end that often. So this definitely, it wouldn't have necessarily been skipped, but I didn't always visit this song when I was listening to this record. But um, I I think it's just so true that that whole, you know, some are being beaten, some are being born, and some can't tell the difference anymore. Like that, ugh, that is the human condition, you know? Um, And really to consider how old she was, 
how she was, you know, this unicorn of a human being that people wanted to talk about how she lived in her car and this, that, and the other thing, you know, and, and they made her into this, like, sage of a person that maybe you, like, roll your eyes at when somebody is reaching that sort of level of success, but then you look back and you go, no, but really, (laughs) you know, uh, and now people glamorize living in their car and are doing it on purpose, but, um, you know, I just, I think that this song probably deserved a whole lot more eyes and ears on it at the time. Um, and even now, I don't hear anybody talk about this song when they talk about Jewel songs. Yeah. And it's so good. Yeah, and and here's the thing. Even though it's a great song and you don't want to, you don't want to miss it, I wouldn't move this in the sequencing. Sure. Oh, I don't think you can. I mean, yeah. a song yeah. titled Amen has to be at yeah. the end. It's the open. It has to be. Yeah. There's right. no way around it. Yeah. 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 All right. Um, oh, I didn't get Wayne's score. What's your score? Yeah. I, I, I'm i not comfortable saying after this, but uh, <laughs> I do want to say the first verse is about heroin. There's no way it's not. Um, but mm. I like particularly like the third verse because it, it feels like that. Like real, when you get older and you start realizing that all these things that your parents and your teachers and clergy have told you is that is is empty rhetoric, and now you have to figure this all out on your own, and that is empowering and scary, and and so she she able she's able to capture that. I I think for me the song starts slow, and I I make a prejudgment on it early on, at least scoring this because I I do. I, I, it is a good song and I do like it. It's just like that first part does take a while for it to get going. And I make some, I, I do this all the time and I make snap judgments and I box myself into this third, this number three. And then I, I got nothing. I got no, I got nothing, got no way to get out. All right. I know. It's all good. It's all good. All right. Um, so let's look at, uh, our top five. Actually, I always end with, did we cover it? Did we miss anything? I feel like we covered it. I don't it. hear anybody else talking about it. Yeah, I think we I think we covered it. Um all right, top five. Any guesses, number one? I'm so bad at math. Foolish game. The foolish games. Foolish games, pardon my guess. Foolish games, average score of thirteen. That's our top song. We've got um Who Will Save Your Soul? is second, average score of 11.75, uh, third, near you always, fourth, I'm sensitive, and then we've got a tie for fifth, you are meant for me, and amen. Mm-hmm. So we got a top six. Based we did off it right. Scores. That's good. Awesome. Yeah, we did it right. I that's think good. we did it right. That's a solid, that's a solid six. Well, Van, thank you for picking this record. I know that it was, um, I guess, uh, a little off the beaten path, but you know what? Love it. Bold choice. Thanks for diving in with me. Oh, good choice. And it made me revisit an album that I haven't listened to in forever, and I'm I'm wondering why I didn't. I haven't for a while. So this is great, great Great record. I blame the CD changer because that's why I never listened to this album entirely. It was always in with four other CDs. <laughs> okay. Shuffling around. There you go. There you go. 1997. Sometimes you just got to give that weirdo a chance. Right? <laughs> all right. So, Van, tell, tell people where they can find all your happenings, um, where they can 
pre-save the uh, the album, etc.? Well, it, I made it easy. Just search Van Plating, any digital platform. All my socials are the same. So just find me if you're a Twitter person. I'm there. Instagram, Facebook. Um, I'm, I'm in all those places. And then you can find the music uh, in digital retailers. You can buy it on Bandcamp, which is nice because they give us a little bit more. Or if you're like not into commitment, you know, you could stream it like wherever you want to stream it. Date me a little bit. That's fine. Uh, but yeah, van plating anywhere you listen to music. Anna, <laughs> how about you? Where can people find you? Yes, I am uh, at Hannah Harbor, Hannah underscore Harbor in most places. Uh, and same thing. Feel free to listen to my glorious rock and roll band, Hannah Harbor and the Lionhearts on Spotify or uh, Apple Music, anywhere you can stream the things. And I still have uh, plenty of hard copies, if that's what you're into, because we didn't get to tour that day. Oh, so. <laughs> did, you, did, you, did you end up putting it on vinyl? No, and thank goodness, because, you know, honestly, when you uh, decide to do that first pressing, it's the most expensive of the whole bunch. And when that was like in the last bit of things to do before everything changed. And so at least I'm not sitting on a gold mine of wax. And yes, now it's a year lead time. So we may right, as well all just right. wait. <laughs> a full year. Yeah. 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 All right. So as a reminder, you can find all of our old episodes. Go to recordsrevisitpodcast.com. You can find all of our happenings on the socials. Um, I'm at Twitter at podcast records still do the Facebook page though. Um, not a whole lot of interaction there lately. So, um, <laughs> your asses over there to Facebook or I'm, or I'm going to shut that thing down. Um, also we're on the Instagram Wayne man's the Instagram. So a little bit different content. Where are we there? Uh, records revisited podcast. And then, um, super grateful for all of our Patreon patrons who are, essentially paying the bills for for us thank you all very much um go check us out at uh, at patreon.com slash records revisited podcasts you can get episodes early there and um we're now doing our guest revisitor podcast episode so people who contribute at a certain level get to hang out with us and uh, talk about one of their favorite records uh i've got some ray la montaigne we've got um do we have Jimmy Eat World, or did he pick Death Cab? Oh, somebody picked Death Cab. No, it was Death Cab. Yeah, so so we've got we've got some cool stuff in the works. Thanks to our our, our cool listeners. Um, last time I had you on, Hannah, I asked the uh, the the referral question: Who do you know that I don't know who should come on the podcast? So Jordan Foley still needs to get his ass over here to this <laughs> to this podcast. Uh, Jordan, you know how to find me. How about you, Van? Uh, who do you know that we don't know that should uh, come on the podcast to revisit one of their favorite records? Uh, there's an amazing young singer-songwriter named Liv from upstate New York. I'm going to produce a few songs for her in the spring, and you guys aren't even ready. Her voice is like, <laughs> her voice is just bananas. I'll, I'll send you all the link. Um, okay. I'll what DM on Twitter or Instagram or something. I'll send you guys the link to listen to her EP, but you need to have her on. And she's just a great hang. She's just a good hang. Okay. All right. That sounds, that sounds fantastic. 
All right, let's wrap this up because we're all tired and we need to go to bed. All right, <laughs> so so thanks for listening. Please go support the arts. Make sure you go to a live show, provided that they actually come down to Florida. Uh, buy a T-shirt of the band. <laughs> Make sure you buy a record. And uh, not just on Record Store Day, we are Records Revisited, and we are... Out! Out.